श्रीमद्भगवत्पदा कृष्णपृष्ठा भूतले श्रीमते भक्तिवेदस्वामीना नमस्ते सरस्वतीदेव गौरवाणी प्रचारिणे निर्विशेषवादी पश्चिताचैतन्य प्रभुनिनंद हरे कृष्णा हरे But it's a matter of understanding what Bhagavatam is actually dealing, and how Shrimad Bhagavatam is reaching the ultimate aspect of the Vedic wisdom. Bhagavatam is actually the essence of everything. It has been described: Artho Ayam Brahma Sutra. The meanings of Brahma Sutra. Brahma Sutras are actually sutras mean aphorism. Aphorism means just giving a concise idea, which is which is available or understandable only to the only to the people. Understandable only by the people who actually knows the subject matter. An example for that: H two O. I mean, does it make any sense? H, what is that? Don't think that the person doesn't know English. But a person who knows what H two O signifies, he gets that. C six H twelve O six H two S O four. Those who know just that gives them the understanding. Therefore, this Brahma Sutra is actually meant for those who know the topic thoroughly. Otherwise, for a layman, it's impossible to understand. Brahma Sutra, and as a as a matter of fact, a huge misconception is prevailing in India in the name of Brahma Sutra, because the Brahma Sutra has been totally misrepresented by the Mayavadi philosophers, Mayavadi followers. Shankaracharya gave gave. A totally confusing understanding of Brahma Sutra. He actually presented that Brahma Sutra is leading to impersonal Brahman. <coughs> But the real understanding, 
because it is difficult for a layman to understand the Brahma Sutra, which is the essence of the Vedic wisdom. Like the Vedic wisdom uh, became more and more refined or concise and then eventually it came to Brahma Sutra. Isn't it? Hmm? Vasudev took up the responsibility to present the Vedic wisdom. So what did he do? Hmm? He divided the Vedas into four sections. And then he started to give different aspects of the Vedic wisdom in a categorical way. These are the Puranas, these are the Upanishads, these are the Dharma Shastras, these are the Samhita, this is the history, Mahabharata. And this is how, otherwise, for like at the beginning of Srimad Bhagavatam, it has been pointed out, Bhudini Bhudi Karmani Shotapani Vinagasa. In the Vedas, the different types of activities have been prescribed. Bhuri karmani. Bhuri means vast, massive. Karmani activities have been prescribed. And unless and until one has a total understanding, one cannot actually understand the Vedas. That was actually the problem for the living entities of the age of Kali. Vedas, in one hand, Vedas are huge, Vedas are vast. Like, and at the same time, the living entities in the age of Kali has a very short span of life. Alpha Ayusha. Alpha means very little. And Ayusha, duration of life. Kalavashmin Yugejana, the living entities in the age of Kali has a very short span of life. And on top of that, Manda, lazy. <laughs> Sumanda Matayo, their mentality is completely corrupt. Manda Bhagya, they're extremely unfortunate. And Upadruta, they're constantly afflicted by the onslaughts of material. So that is the condition of the living entity. Short. Their span of life is short. They're lazy. Their mentality is not only weak, but it's crooked. <laughs> and then on top of that, they're being constantly afflicted by the calamities of the So what is the possibility of them to understand? Therefore, uh, Vasudev decided to present it in a systematic way. See, what actually happened, like the entire Vedic wisdom converged into the very essence that is Vedanta Sutra. Anta, Anta in the end of the Vedic wisdom, in the form of this aphorism. So now, what did Vasudev do? He took that essence and he expanded it. Then what happens? I mean, he explained it. So if you take the essence and then you explain, explain it, then the whole understanding of the Vedas will be clear. 
So that's what Vyasadeva did through Srimad Bhagavatam. Bhagavatam is a natural commentary of the Vedanta Sutra. Vedanta Sutra's natural commentary is actually Srimad Bhagavatam. Arthoyam Anabhashayam Brahma Sutrana and Bharatartha Vidinaya. Mahabharata is vast. Narrations of so many different activities of different personalities. And its meaning has been clarified through the Srimad Bhagavatam. So that's why Srimad Bhagavatam is so important for us. That's why Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took these two scriptures, Bhagavad Gita and Srimad and following Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Srila Prabhupada also presented his teachings based on these two books, these two scriptures. And the other day, on the first day I also explained there are two streams through which the Vedic wisdom flows. One stream is Upanishad and the other stream is Purana. The essence of all the Upanishads is Gita Upanishad or Bhagavad Gita. And the essence of all Puranas is Srimad Bhagavatam. So when you get the essence, then you got the substance. And in that respect, these two very beautiful examples have been given. All the Upanishads have been compared to a cow. And who milked this particular cow? Gopal Krishna, the cowherd boy Krishna. The cow gives the milk for the sake of the calf. Who is the calf? Arjun. And who drink this milk, which is the nectarian Bhagavad Gita? Sudhi. The people with developed intelligence, beautiful intelligence, the word su indicates so many things. Su indicates Sundar. Very beautiful. Then Su also indicate advanced. Su indicate developed. Su indicate vast. So all this applied to the people, those who have developed intelligence, beautiful intelligence, vast intelligence. They are the ones who can really relish this Upanishad, essence of all Upanishads, Bhagavad Gita. And as far as the Puranas are concerned, like the another beautiful such example is Nigama Kalpatarur Golitam Falam. Here, Nigam, the entire Vedic wisdom, has been presented or exemplified to a tree. A desire tree, not only ordinary tree, desire tree. All the Vedas are like a desire tree. And it's really a desire tree. You know why? You approach the Vedas with any desire, it'll be fulfilled. Vedas are giving the prescriptions how to fulfill your desire. You want to be a king? Right? Even though it's the age of democracy. <laughs> Follow the Vedas, 
and you can become a king. You are not satisfied being the king, just an ordinary king. You want to become the king of the entire earth planet. Okay, weather is fine. Do this, this, this. You are not satisfied being the king of the earth planet. You want to become the king of the heavenly planet. So this is how, this is why Vedas have been compared to a desire tree. It's been compared to a desire tree because it can fulfill all the desires of everybody. Whatever you want, approach the Vedas, it will be fulfilled. So Nigama is a Kalpataru. Vedas have been compared to a desire tree. And the ripe, the fruit of the tree. Can you imagine? The tree that can fulfill all your desires, the, the fruit of the tree, and not only an ordinary fruit, it's a ripened fruit of that desire tree. Galitam phalam. And on top of that, sukhamukhad amrita dravasam. It has been blended with the nectar from the lotus mouth of Srila Sukadevasana. Can you imagine what an amazing product it is? What an amazing thing it is? What a, so, these, so this is how you see that these two are really the essence of, one is the essence of Upanishad stream, and Bhagavad Gita and Sriman Bhagavatam is the essence of all the Puranas. The, all the Puranas have certain amount of material contamination. Generally the Puranas have, like some Puranas are Tamasic Puranas. Some Puranas are Rajasic Puranas. Some Puranas are Sattvic Puranas. The Sattvic Purans are the topmost, the mode of goodness, the Puran in the mode of goodness. But even the mode of goodness in the material nature is not pure. It has certain degree of, certain tinge of contamination. But Srimad Bhagavatam is a pure goodness, pure goodness, Sutta Sattva. And that's why Srimad Bhagavatam has been described as Amal Puran. Mal means impurities. Amal means no impurities. Pure. <coughs> absolutely pure. And why it is pure? It is giving us the perfect and complete understanding of the Supreme Personality. It's taking us to the topmost region. Like if somebody thinks that Brahman is the ultimate, Bhagavatam is giving the answer. No, Brahman is just the bodily effulgence of the Lord. If the yogis generally, Gyanis uh, uh, is considered that Brahman is the ultimate. The yogis consider that Paramatma, the super soul, is the ultimate. But Bhagavatam is pointing out that Beyond this understanding of Brahman realization, 
beyond Paramatma realization is the understanding of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Vadanti tatattavidas tattvam Very good. Jajjgyanam advayam Advayam Non-dual No conflict, just absolute But again, although it is advay, although it has no dual that means absolute one, advai, but still uh, that tattvam has been described or understood as brahmeti, paramatmeti, bhagavaniti. The simple understanding, as they say, when you approach through jnana, through knowledge, one ends up in Brahman reality. You go externally, you'll end up in Brahman. You go internally, you will end up in Paramahama. The yoga is the process of internalizing the consciousness. So internalization will ultimately take to seeing the Lord in the heart as the super soul, Paramahama, And then Bhagavaniti, beyond that, that also we can see through the perfection of yoga one perceives the super soul in the heart. The living entity is an ordinary soul and he sees the supreme soul, the source of all souls. Then what would be his natural tendency? What would be his natural attitude? What happens when a person comes across a very great personality? Automatically his head bends down with respect. Like if you come across a great person, do you stand like this? <laughs> no. You just automatically your head bends down. The demons will stand like that. <laughs> because they think they are the greatest. They don't want to bow down to anybody. And that's the problem with the demons. So, anyway, we don't want to discuss about the demons. <laughs> so, when your heart automatically becomes steeped with respect and appreciation, your head bends down in surrender. And that surrender makes one to become engaged in the become engaged in devotional service. And through that devotional service, the Supreme Personality of Godhead becomes manifest in front of him as he is. And that is Bhagavan. Brahman is just a perception. Brahman realization is just a perception, a perception of spirit spiritual light. <clears throat> Paramatma realization is the super soul in the heart. Paramatma is inactive. Upadrashta, Anumanta. He's just a witness. But when there is a loving exchange, 
when there is an offering of love, then the Lord respects, reciprocates. And that makes him Bhagavan. The Supreme Lord engaged a perception of the Supreme Lord in this loving exchange is his Bhagavan feature. Prabhupada pointed out that it's actually a matter of perception from different distance. When you Prabhupada gives an example, if you see a train coming at night, you are standing in the platform waiting for the train. What do you see? The light. Then the train comes nearer. Then you see the train. And then the train comes onto the platform. Then you see the people, the passengers in the train. So when you see the Supreme from a great distance, that perception is that of When you see him from a closer perspective, he is Paramahansa. And when there is most intimate perception, most intimate exchange, that is Bhagavan. Chaitanya Charitamrita gives another very nice example in that respect. That just like the sun planet, sun globe, how do we see the sun glow? Yes, just a glow of light. Enormous power, like it's lighting up the whole universe. But how do the demigods see? The, the, do the demigods see the sun planet this way? No. The demigods see the sun planet they don't just see the sun planet, they see sun god. And those who are associates of the sun god, they are seeing him as somebody who is very, very intimate, relative. So, Srimad Bhagavatam is giving us the perfect understanding with the absolute revelation of the spiritual that is what Srimad Bhagavatam is giving us. And as we discussed in the last few days, there, are, there was perception of the Lord, uh, I mean, uh, in the form of, as a creator. Then after creating initial creation, he hands it over. He sends a representative. Brahma. And Brahma is doing the secondary creation. Then what is the situation of the structure of the universe? Sthanam. How this is being maintained by the Supreme Personality <coughs> of Godhead? Poshanam. Then Everybody here has that impetus to act or to create. Utayo, uti, 
Then uh, there are other considerations, there's 14 monus. And what happens during their period, who becomes who? I give the example of a foreman in a shift. Right? The foreman comes with his team. And he begins one shift. When that shift is over, the foreman leaves along with his team. Then the other foreman comes in with his team. So, <clears throat> isn't it in the factories? <laughs> I'm sure in America also they have the same system. And anyway, so Manantar, then the activities, the descriptions of the activities of the Lord, Ishanukatha, then Nirodha winding up of the creation and mukti liberation and then ashraya so that is the ultimate that's the ultimate and that ultimate is actually the 10th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam what do we find in 10th canto we find the activities of Krishna who is this Krishna who is this Krishna? He is he an incarnation? No. This Krishna of Vrindavan is the origin of or source of all incarnations. And Krishna performs his pastimes. Like pastimes means loving exchange. And this is how we are getting an opportunity to understand like what will what Krishna is doing there and by hearing those activities of Krishna we become extremely enlivened. His pastimes are so It's been described, iti driksha nilabhir ananda kundi. In this way, through performing his pastimes, Krishna is submerging his devotees, drowning his devotees in an ocean of ecstasy. Drowning. Maybe the word is not right, because when you hear drowning, <laughs> you think, oh, terrible. <laughs> this drowning is something like, you are trying to get a drop of something. And in order to get one drop, one, you are prepared to give up even your life. Didn't it happen in our history? So many people gave their lives. So many kingdoms have been ruined, totally devastated. Just for some momentary sex, sex pleasure. Isn't it? Like... Iliad, a famous Greek drama. The whole episode is over of one person, Paris's love affair with Helen. And as a result of that, the whole kingdom was destroyed. 
their whole kingdom was destroyed. Many, many people, so many people died. So this is what is the, and it's only, this sex pleasure actually has been not only compared to a drop of that pleasure, but the perverted reflection of the drop of that pleasure. <laughs> so can you imagine how delighting, how enjoyable is that spiritual joy here, the spiritual experience here. To be drowned in that experience. We can't even imagine what it is like. From material nature, it's, it's impossible to understand. Uh, there, that is, that's what he's saying. Ananda Kunde. Yeah. In an ocean of uh, Ananda, ecstasy. Krishna is drowned. His devotee. Just by hearing, we get we get so delighted. What to speak of when you are personally experiencing it right in front of your eyes? Krishna is doing that. To begin with, Krishna is so attractive. He's the most beautiful. Like just to be attracted by Krishna is so wonderful. I mean, just to see Krishna is so delightful. That is how delightful, how, that is how beautiful Krishna is. And then Krishna displays. As a child, he displays his naughty behavior. And when he grows up, he shows his other characteristics. His valor, his power, his strength. Like, I mean, we can't really imagine because we cannot possibly get into that situation ourselves to get the proper understanding. Just consider, Kamsa, everyone was so frightened that even the demigods are trembling with fear just by hearing the name of Kamsa. Can you imagine what a tyrant he was and how powerful he was? He's defeated everyone, subdued all the powerful people at that time. They all became his subservient. All these demons were extremely powerful individuals who actually were Kamsa's associates. So the whole world is trembling in fear due to the atrocities of Kamsa. And then here is a little boy, barely 14 years old, and Already he displayed his prowess. I mean, you don't really expect that this boy will be able to deal with these people. To begin with, the, the two terrible wrestlers, Chanur and Mushtik. I mean, they're so powerful that just by their blow, they could actually break the boulders. Can you imagine how powerful they are? Just to give an example, not, I mean, even the weapons of the demigods couldn't do anything to them. That is how powerful they are. And their gigantic bodies. 
and Krishna and Balaram, just two young boys. And that's where people started to complain. What is this? What is going on? The wrestling usually takes place between the equals. Now how can this little boy fight with these people? These two giants. But not only these two, two giants are killed by Krishna. Their associates came and attacked. Killed all the wrestlers. Seeing that Kamsa is now extremely upset and frightened. I mean, you can think of all these emotions are overwhelming Kamsa at that time. And he started to cry, shout. Throw him away, throw him away. Get rid of him. Fortunately, he didn't say kill him. He did say kill Basudev, kill Basudev. Kill Ugrasen. Whoever is supporting them, kill them. <laughs> Krishna just jumps onto the stage, onto the high platform where Kamsa was sitting. Kamsa was already ready. He took, you know, in his left hand he took the shield, and with his right hand he took out, pulled out his sword, and he attacked. And Krishna doesn't have any weapons, bare hands. He just uh, escaped those attacks of Kamsa. And then he got a chance and he slapped him on the head. <laughs> His turban went flying. Fly. And Krishna grabbed him by his hair, made him just fall on the ground. Can you imagine if you've been watching it, how wonderful <laughs> it would be? And especially when you're seeing that he's dealing with a person who was absolutely undesirable. Everybody hated him. Even his friends hated him. <clears throat> they were subservient to him because they didn't have any other option. They are kind of duty-bound. Then Krishna drags him to the edge of the platform and jumps with his body, holding on to his hair. Both of them fall on the, uh, on the wrestling arena. And then Krishna just starts to punch him. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it exciting? <laughs> but Krishna is always not that, you know, sort of, always uh, displaying his strength. Sometimes he's a naughty boy. Let me see. <laughs> he's just a naughty boy. Little boy goes to different houses with his friends and he steals butter. And he lowers the butter pots, climbing onto different boys' backs, and then they start eating the butter. So much butter, they all are full. So there were some monkeys. Come, monkey. <laughs> also. 
the monkeys also ate the butter. Eat more, eat more. Monkeys said no. And Krishna says, this butter is so bad <laughs> that even the monkeys don't want to <laughs> Saying that, Krishna just breaks that pot. <clears throat> and then the child, little child of the gopi was lying on bed. So Krishna pinches him. <laughs> He's sleeping, he wakes up with a shriek, starts to cry. Mother comes running and Krishna with his friends just run out of the house. And the gopi goes to Mother Jashoda and complains. This is what son, your son does every day. Mother Jashoda was quite surprised because Krishna was all the time sitting with her. <laughs> so she says, look, but Krishna was here all the time. When did he do that? Oh, so you say that I'm lying? No, no, I'm not saying that you're lying, but, you know, like, I can't understand. You know, you were saying that it was at about 10 o'clock that Krishna went there, but from 9.30 till 11.30 Krishna was like <laughs> The gopi says, fine, next time he goes, I'll catch him and bring him to you, and then probably uh, you will believe. So, <clears throat> Mother Joshua says, yeah, please do that. So the gopi was waiting. Then finally one day Krishna comes to the house with his friends. He lowers the pots of butter, eats them, eats those, eats that butter with his friends and then offers the butter to the monkeys. The monkeys also don't want to eat anymore. This butter is so bad that even the monkeys don't want to eat it. Krishna breaks the pot, then he pinches the sleeping child and uh, as the child uh, woke up with a shriek crying, then Krishna is about to run out of the house, run out of the house. But this gopi was hiding behind the door, waiting for this moment. <laughs> she just grabs Krishna. So finally I caught him. Krishna said, please let me go. <laughs> uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry that I came and did that to you. I promise I won't do that. The gopi said, nothing doing. This time I'm going to take you to your mother. Please don't take me to my mother. My mother will chastise me. She may even beat me up. <laughs> so please don't do that. I said, no, nothing doing. This time I'll show that, uh, that uh, I was not lying. So she puts Krishna on her back goes to Mother Jashoda. <clears throat> Mother Jashoda, she says, see, now I caught him and I brought him to you. Mother Jashoda starts to laugh. You're laughing. The other day you said that you didn't believe that your son went and did that. 
And now that I brought him to you, you are laughing. There should be a limit to your affection for your child. Maharaj see who you brought. She sees she's carrying her own son. And she is surprised. Krishna's voice still ringing in her ears. Please don't take me to my mother, my mother will chastise me. Please let me go, I promise I'll never come to your house. And now she's seeing that she's carrying her own son. So totally embarrassed, with her head bent down, with the child at the back, she's going back to her house. Then all of a sudden she heard, she hears Krishna's laughter. Looks up, it's Krishna. <laughs> she puts Krishna down. Krishna is such a rascal. <laughs> you became my son in front of your mother. And you embarrassed me in such a way. Krishna said, I told you not to take me to my mother. I told you that I'll never come to your house. But you wouldn't listen to me, so I had to do something in self-defense. <laughs> anyway, this time I became your son. Next time you catch me and take me to your mother, take me to your mother, take me to my mother, I'll become your husband. <laughs> so you see how Iti triksha lilabhir Shagoshan nimajyantam There are so many such beautiful pastimes which is, can you imagine just participating there, becoming a part of it? And he not, he makes all kinds of, all kinds of pastimes that really charms the emotions from the heart. There are seven kinds of emotional display, emotional <coughs> manifestation. <coughs> they are laughter, what we just experience. <laughs> Wonder, adbhut, surprise. Veera, chivalrous. Rodra, anger. Vibhatsa, ghastly. Bhayana, frightening, Korun, pathos. So these are the seven seconds. And all these mellows are experienced in a perfect way by Krishna's pastimes. Okay, I'll just narrate another pastimes of Krishna. I know you like to hear more. <laughs> and maybe next time we'll just discuss about Krishna's pastimes. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> you see, you know that Krishna has a loving relationship with Srimati Radha. And Krishna's Vrindavan pastimes are predominantly based on Krishna's meeting with Srimati Radha. And on various pretexts they meet. And 
So Krishna is just waiting for an opportunity to meet with Sri But the problem is that Radharani is the housewife somewhere. Radharani is apparently married to somebody. Now here we have to understand this marriage actually was to Krishna's expansion. Not only Krishna's expansion, Krishna's shadow actually. Radharani's husband, Abhimanu, is actually Krishna's shadow. But this past, this arrangement is there because the excitement of meeting between a lover and beloved is there when there is some obstacle. <laughs> Actually, that also reminds me of sometimes Krishna proposes to Radharani, look, let's get married. <laughs> Radharani says, no, no. Then the life will become boring. <laughs> 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 so, <clears throat> that is the understanding of parokya. Uh, that uh, the, the conjugal loving relationship without or beyond the consideration of marriage. Now here we can make one point. That is the highest relationship in the spiritual sky. But the material nature is a reflection of the spiritual sky. Now the highest in spiritual world, in the like when it is reflected, where will the reflection be? As the lowest. Therefore, that kind of relationship in the material nature is absolutely abominable. When a man has a relationship with somebody else's wife, it's absolutely abominable. But in spiritual world, it is the highest because it is centered around Krishna. It is a matter of Krishna's delight, Krishna's enjoyment through his pastimes. So now see how things happen. Now Radharani is married to Abhimanu and Abhimanu's mother is Jotila and Abhimanu's sister is Kutila. So I heard that the relationship between the mother-in-law and sister-in-law is a very sweet one. Meaning, uh, what I mean is, it's a very, very undesirable relationship. <laughs> mother-in-law hates, mother-in-law hates the uh, daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law, poor girl, she's very, very <laughs> uh, sort of. Anyway, <clears throat> so that is also there in the in that relationship. That, and now, this Jotila and Kutila, they suspect that their brother, that their uh, sister-in-law is having an affair with somebody, Krishna. But they can't catch Krishna. They suspect, but they couldn't catch them red-handed. This has been described in uh, 
this anecdote in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, in Nectar of Devotion, Prabhupada. One day, Abhimanyu went away from home on a distant place. So Abhimanyu wouldn't come back for a few days. So Abhimanyu left. So in the meantime, Krishna came dressed as Abhimanyu. Right? <laughs> or in guise of Abhimanyu. So Jatila asked, what happened? You just left. Yes, mother, I was missing you so badly <laughs> that I thought that I would rather go some other time. Just came back. Okay, my dear son, so go inside. Take rest. You must be tired. In the meantime, real Abhimandu comes back. And Jyotila says, who are you? <laughs> Mother, don't you recognize me? I'm your son. You my son. She takes a broom and starts. Tries <laughs> <laughs> to beat him up. <laughs> and then eventually they found out what actually happened. This is the real Abhimanyu, and that was that naughty boy Krishna. <laughs> so this is how they often think. Now another time, they're just trying, waiting to catch Krishna red-handed someday, Krishna and Radha. And one day, their <coughs> Kutila, Abhimanyu's sister, heard some conversation going on in Radharani's room. She eavesdropped, oh, it's Krishna. So she said, okay, now I'm going to catch him, catch them. But as soon as she opened the door, Krishna just jumped out of the window and ran away. She was feeling so bad, oh, I almost caught him. I wish I didn't make any noise. I should have opened the door more <laughs> carefully. But then she saw Krishna's flute on the bed. She considered that, oh, now I caught him. Really? Krishna left in a hurry. Krishna forgot to pick up the flute. So she took the flute and she took Radharani by one hand, brought her to the courtyard, called everybody and started to eloquently describe what actually happened. And Radharani with her head bending down, just shedding tears. <clears throat> so at that time Purnamasi, Jogamaya, she comes there and asks, what happened? Why are you all gathering here like this? And why my dear Radhika is shedding tears like this? So Kutila started to describe what actually happened. That how, although she couldn't catch Krishna, but she found Krishna's flute. And Purnamasi started to laugh. 
such a serious matter you are laughing. Then Purnamasi said, Don't you know? Last night there was a shower of flutes. <laughs> and there are flutes everywhere. <laughs> Come Kutila, let's go to your room. <laughs> and she found she found four flutes on. <laughs> Jyotila, let's go to your room. There are twelve flutes on <laughs> So this is how Purnamasi comes and rescues Radharani from the embarrassing situation. And then and Radharani is feeling that I better give up my life. I can't give up my love for Krishna, but I'm uh, getting into such embarrassing situation, so let me just <coughs> give up my life. So Krishna was aware of Krishna became aware of it. So Krishna just faint Krishna was on the lap of Mother Jashoda at that time. So Krishna just faint. All of a sudden Mother Jashoda saw Krishna just fainted. And there was no sign of life. So she screamed. Nanda Maharaj came running. What happened? What happened? Look what happened to a baby. And he also saw there is no life. So Mother Jashura said, please go and call a doctor. So as Nanda Maharaj went out, he saw one white, one Ayurvedic doctor coming. In Vedic time, by the dress, you could make out one's occupation. So this doctor, so he asked Bajji, my son is in such a, he fainted, and it seems that there is no life in his body. So can you please cure him? I said, yes, yes. I can't even revive a dead man. <laughs> so he came and said, yes, it's a very serious condition, but it's curable. It's curable. If all it will need is some Jamuna water. So I know Jamuna water. He said, yes, Jamuna water, but it, the water should be brought by a real chaste woman. So Mother Jashoda was about to run. No, 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 it don't work. If the mother brings the water, that <laughs> So <clears throat> she, uh, he got, he started to tell her, it has to be somebody else. So, and he said that, but, oh, before that he made a point, that yes, this water, the Jamuna water should be brought in a bucket with thousands of holes in the bucket. So everyone said, how is it possible to carry the water with thousands of holes in the bucket? He said, yes, it will be if a chaste woman, real chaste woman brings the water, then it will be possible. So Mother Jashoda was about. I want, okay, so let me go. No, no, 
If the mother goes, then it won't work. If the mother will be so, or rather, if the mother brings the water, that won't work. So then different women, different ladies, different girls, and when tried to bring the water, everyone failed. So, pretty bad situation. It looks like in Vrindavan, a single chess lady is there. <laughs> anyway, let me see, by calculation, if you can find somebody. So he drew some diagrams, astrological diagrams, and said, yeah, I can see there are two persons in Vrindavan who are really chaste. <coughs> who are they? Chotila and Kutila. Chotila. So they ran to Chotila and Kutila. You know, this is what happened. And so, <clears throat> they're very proud. Yes, this astrologer really knows. <laughs> so, they proudly went. Kutila said, Mother, why will you take the trouble? I'll go and get it. She took the bucket, went to the water, Jamuna, and pulled, as she pulled out the water, Bucket, all the water drained. <laughs> Kutila started to curse her. You disgrace to our family. You better jump in Jamuna and give up your life. <laughs> Saying that she picked up the bucket and she went very proudly to Jamuna. And as she pulled out, all the water fell. <laughs> Asruta, Vaidh, the doctor, became very perturbed. What to do now? Anyway, let me do some more calculation. <laughs> yes, I found one person in Vrindavan. <laughs> Who is that? Who is that? Radhika. <laughs> Jyotila and Kutila started Radha, Radhika, chest, Give us a break. <laughs> but Mother Joshua went, went and told her. And Radharani was, she was, she, she didn't want to come. Uh, and Mother, please don't ask me to do that. Mother Joshua said, Radhe, you are the only hope, you are the last hope for Krishna. Please come. After all that, from his calculation, this astrologer found that. So, <clears throat> with a heavy heart and bending head, Radharani came, picked up the bucket, lowered it in the water, and as she pulled it, not a single water, single drop of water fell. <laughs> then the water was brought to the bed. He took some water, chanted some mantra and sprinkled it over Krishna's body. Krishna opened his eyes and came back to his senses. So this is how 
it has been pointed out, who is the most chest of all women? The ultimate chastity of a spirit soul is in his unalloyed loving relationship with Krishna. <coughs> Thank you all very much. So, did you enjoy Itidriksha Lila Vidananda? Just by hearing, we are deriving so much pleasure. Can you imagine uh, to be there, right there, what it means? And that's what is happening 24 hours a day. The residents of Vrindavan are experiencing this wonderful, wonderful loving exchange with Krishna mm -hmm. through his pastimes in Vrindavan. Thank you very much. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Does anybody have any question? Yes. Mike. Thank you for the word. Why don't you quote the first? What is their destination when they die? Do they go to Vaikuntha or where do they go? If the yogis. You see, to go, you know, unless and until one develops one's loving relationship with Krishna, one cannot actually go to Vrindavan. Or, I mean, not even Vrindavan. So, but, <clears throat> you know, if they have developed this loving relationship with this yogi, if they have developed some sort of love for Krishna, but because they are not actively involved in devotional service, they are they get the position of trees and creepers like that. Inactive situation. Any other yes? No, these are from different Puranas. Some part of it is from Nectar Devotion and the others are from different Puranas. So why is not in the You see, as I mentioned the other day, Bhagavatam is giving us just the, what should I say, the, the outline or overview. You know, it's not the total. Like you can see, like just the disc, just the mention and very little description of the pastimes. So <clears throat> that's why I said, uh, like, in there are actually millions of verses, not only eighteen thousand verses of Shabbat, millions and millions of verses in the heart language. Goswami is also revealed many of Krishna's pastimes. But of course they have done that from the Puranic description. Yes. <coughs> um, do you study Udhava Gita in this religious world? 
what happened with the wicket. Do you spell that as well? Um, yeah, yeah. English yeah, it's the 11th canto okay. of Srimad Bhagavatam. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Ladini Prabhu. <coughs> I do want to thank you so much for this wonderful <laughs> series of classes. And I have a question. So, Kutila and Jyotila, Abhimanyu, we know as Krishna Shadow, but who are they? In other words, it, from a worldly perspective, it would seem like they're perpetually frustrated and embarrassed. But we know that actually all the residents of Vrindavan are perpetually in ecstasy. So, how are we to understand this? Yeah, whatever emotion they feel or whatever they go through, there is joy in the heart because it's an ultimate fulfillment. Like, as you see, like, say for example, Veera Rasa, that is derived out of fighting. In the fighting, they're getting hurt. Apparently, they're getting hurt. But out of that, they're deriving the joy. So, so, and the thing is that, you see, we cannot, you know, understand or measure the feelings of Vrindavan devotees from our materialistic perspective. In the material, okay, let's put it this way. In the material nature is full of pain. Did you see what actually causes pain? Did you consider? You know, when the consciousness is interrupted in the body, that causes pain. Right? You hit your arm. The flow of consciousness through the nervous system is impeded, obstructed. And there you're feeling pain. Right? When the, say, consciousness is flowing through the nervous system, Right? And when it is obstructed, it is. But in the spiritual sky, there is no possibility of consciousness being obstructed. Right? It is actually a, not only a continuous flow of consciousness, but that flow of consciousness is towards Krishna. You get, you, get, you get the point. And that's why, because the consciousness is constantly flowing towards Krishna, therefore it is every single experience is a source of joy. <laughs> yes? Thank you so much, Mahakash, for your I have a question about uh, the interaction that we have with people that are not Vaishnava. People that are, they have very little or nothing to do with, uh, or maybe they don't want anything to do with us. But we do have to interact with them once we go back to our city of origin. Um, I have some friends that are not Krishna conscious, and um, this particular friend, she finds out that Krishna has. Um, uh, then uh, 16,000 16, wives. So she, she found out through a conversation that I was having with someone. 
Um, I was a little bit of a loss of how to explain this to, to people that are not aware of Krishna's divine pastimes. How, what, is, what would be the best way to, to approach this? The thing is that, first of all, we have to understand, first of all, we have to understand who Krishna is. Krishna is situated in everybody's heart. What to speak of 16,000? Krishna can have millions of lives. Because he is in everyone's heart. Krishna has a relationship with every single soul. Being in the heart means Krishna has a relationship with every single soul. So 16,000 only? <laughs> okay, that also take, reminds me of another consideration, another happening or another incident. You see, somewhere the Christian group raised this point that this culture, Krishna consciousness, promotes debauchery and polygamy because their main personality, their God, has 16,000 wives. Hmm? Yes, good point. <laughs> but it has a good answer also. <laughs> then <clears throat> they raise the point, bringing a nun. When you enter the order of a nun, or nun, do you get married to Jesus Christ? Yes. Yes. So how many wives does Jesus Christ So yeah, a good question. <laughs> and anyway, so let's see. Uh, anyway, I'll just okay. Last question, and I'll end here. Thank you, Thank you for the wonderful pastimes. They're very sweet. Um, I have a quick question about the perverted reflection of the Paramyabhav in spiritual world being the lowest form of relationship in the material world. What about, since it's Mother's Day, what about the relationship between Krishna and his mother? Is that also kind of perverted or...? Um... No, that is, that is, it's a reflection, but there, you see the relationship between mother and son, or mother and child, is a divine relationship to begin with, right? Therefore, it is not, you know, reflected as an opposite thing, but it is the same kind. I mean, it is inconceivable how Mother Jashoda feels about Krishna. But certain idea is there how a mother feels about her child. From that, one can get some understanding how Mother Jashoda feels about Krishna. So, uh, okay, go ahead. Thank you.
So that sadhana needs discipline, doing it. But then sadhana will lead to spontaneity. Like, automatically one will become eager to read process. But at the initial stage, some discipline is necessary to figure out that this time of the day, when the possibility of being interrupted is, li- is less. Let that be the time to Okay. Okay, thank you all very much. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Now, one thing I have to tell you, one condition. You see, especially when you get knowledge, you have to pay some price. That is called Guru Dakshina. You know what Krishna, what kind of Guru Dakshina Krishna gave? Bringing his Guru's dead son back. So in a similar note, like it is a custom, it is, otherwise the thing is not complete. The contract is not complete. So uh, I'll ask you all to give one Guru Dakshina. Ready to give? Yes. Yes. That every day you're going to read Srimad Just remember, Prabhupada stayed up through the night to translate this book. Even when he was sick, so sick he couldn't eat, he didn't eat for weeks together. But still he was translating. Have you seen? A few days before Srila Prabhupada left his body, we used to hold the microphone near Prabhupada's mouth. Pradhumna Prabhu, proper Sanskrit editor, used to read the verses and proper used to translate and give the Prabhupada. That is how the 10th, the 13th chapter of the 10th canto came out, Brahma Mohan Lila. So just consider what Srila, why did Srila Prabhupada take this trouble? Simply to benefit us with this knowledge. So please take full advantage of that. Make it a point to read Srimad Bhagavatam every day. How much, for how long, I leave it up to you. But make it a point to 
Thank you very much. And also thank you for participating so nicely. Your participation enlivened me so much. And I saw how you, how much you appreciate it. So thank you very, very much. All glories to Shri. Actually, your, uh, this, this keeps us charged for a case for the next year or so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll see you before that. <laughs> You're coming to me. You're coming to me. Uh, I'll be going to Sri and there I'll be coming tomorrow early morning. It's on the way. Right, it's on the way.